Grace, mercy, and peace from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's look again today at the words of our Lord Jesus from John chapter 14, but instead of hearing them, let's read them together. What do you think? It'll help us to focus on those words a little bit better, and then uh, to be able to process what Jesus is trying to tell us. So let's do this together. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Let's stop right there. Just think about what you just read. All right, let's continue on. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Think about that for a minute. Because that's important for what Jesus is just about to say next. All right, ready? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. All right, so you probably notice a word that keeps popping up time and again in our gospel reading for today, and that word is peace. 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 We all want it. But do we know what it is? What is peace? If you had to define peace, how would you define it? Is it quietness? Is it tranquility? Is it a lack of open hostility or conflict? That sounds nice. I don't like conflict. I'm sure you don't either. And if you're anything like me, it's easy that in order to avoid conflict, you avoid the person with whom you have conflict, right? So to avoid conflict, you avoid the person with, with whom you have conflict. Because then there's no open hostility, there's no arguments, there's no negative words flying back and forth, but brothers and sisters in Christ, that is not peace. That's estrangement. Right? That's what that is. It's estrangement. Estrangement means isolation. It means separation. Now, who can be at peace with that? And if you are at peace with that, that's not good because that's not God's intent or design for us. But more and more, people are living this way, right? There's conflict there, but you know what? Out of sight, out of mind. I'm just going to put it over here. I'm not going to worry about it. 
Maybe we don't want to live with conflict or disagreement just because it's, it's not good for our blood pressure, right? We don't like conflict. Maybe it's just the annoyance of having others influence us. That's kind of the deal, right? They influence the things we do, the way we think, uh, the order of things, that kind of thing. More often than not, though, it's this way of living where we say, well, I'm trying to keep the peace. It's just to kind of indulge our own sinful nature because we want things like we want things. We want to do what we want to do with minimal compromise or aggravation from someone else telling us differently. Now, we even approach that way with our relationship with God. When it comes to indulging the sinful nature, we like the idea of a distant God, right? When it comes to indulging the things of the sinful nature, we like a distant God. We think, He loves me, that's great, but I want Him to stay out of my business. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to listen to what He has to say. I want to do what I want to do. I hope He stays out of my business. Now, if I'm in trouble, that's a different story. We like the idea of Him looking out for us, right? If I'm in trouble, but changing us, now we're not interested in that. We'd rather keep God, when it comes to indulging the sinful nature, at arm's length so we can do what we want to do instead of hearing what God would have us do. Because He knows what's best for us, right? Out of sight, out of mind. Right? Keep him at arm's length. That's not peace with God. That is something called sin. And the danger of that, the danger of it that Jesus tries to bring forth again and again is that that leads to separation and isolation from God forever. Right? And that's not what God wants. Not at all. God isn't interested in pretending that sin doesn't exist, that's not a problem. God isn't interested at keeping you at arm's length. He is not at peace with the isolation and separation that sin brings between you and Him, and you and others, by the way. He is interested in bringing you a better peace, something different. His peace. Right? His peace. So again, the question is, what is that peace? It's not that. I'm just going to keep you at arm's length. I will ignore you so hard you'll start to doubt your own existence. I I don't think we do that. I think uh, sometimes we think God ignores us so hard that we doubt His existence. Or because of the, the, the behavioral patterns that we fall into, um, and because we're not being regularly fed by God's Word, uh, we, fall into, we fall into this trap of doubting His existence. But God wants to give you His peace. So what is that? What is it? We have to figure out what that is. Peace isn't just an absence of conflict. It is a completely restored relationship. One of connection. That's important. One of connection. Right? One of sharing. One of love. 
And so the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God did something to bring this peace to you. And again, it's not by ignoring the problem. It's entering this world in the person of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to do something radical. And that is to take all estrangement upon Himself. All sin upon Himself. All separation and isolation upon Himself. So that you wouldn't have to endure these things. So that you might have peace. Jesus doesn't keep the peace by avoiding people, right? That's definitely not His M.O. At great personal cost, think of the will. At great personal cost, Jesus lives a life of godly service and love for all. Think about that. When He's tired, right? When He just is ready to go to bed. And He did. He was fully human. He keeps tending to the needs of those around Him. Every single day. I know you know that we're beginning to see what happens when people give up on serving others, right? When people said, eh, I do enough. I'm sure you have noticed that there is an extreme shortage of service in many stations of life, right? All these flights you're hearing about getting canceled, all kinds of things happening. It seems like people don't even want to be paid to serve others, right? So what about when we're not paid? What about when we're not paid? Your neighbor needs your service. Your neighbor needs your good works. You don't need them. You're saved by grace through faith alone in God, right? You don't need them. God doesn't need them. His will is done even without us, but... Again, who will serve our neighbor? Your neighbor needs your good works. That's not the way we're looking at things these days. We're saying, you know, I want to be served. I don't want to serve. I want to be served. And that's understandable to some degree, but boy, who will do the serving then? Everybody else? Well, God does and Jesus did. And we definitely need His good works. We definitely need His service because of just the nature of sin. Okay? So a lot of times you and I think of sin in terms of sins of commission. Sins of commission. Those are the things uh, that we do that we're not supposed to do. We think in, in those terms. But the law is much broader than that. Right? There's sins of omission. There's those things that we're supposed to do that we don't. And all of that sin, whether it's sins of commission or sins of omission, uh, it all leads to what? Isolation, separation, estrangement. From God's will and His love for others. Right? So what does Jesus do? He gets up close and personal. 
he gets down in the mess, down in the mud, does all those things he's supposed to do, then again, takes all those sins of commission and omission upon himself, and in exchange, gives you his perfect standing and life. A lot of times, we've talked about this before, sin is described as missing the mark. It's not like we, we meant to do it, right? We tried, but we fell short. It's like shooting at a target or playing darts. You're not going to hit the center every time, right? That's sin. We miss the mark. Jesus takes all of your failures, all of your shortcomings, right? all those things that keep you up at night. I wish I would have done that differently. I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I would have done this. He takes all those upon Himself. Plus, the really deep, dark stuff too. Right? Your worst thoughts, your worst deeds, your all those things too. Jesus suffered brutally and horribly for it all. And so, um, there's this hymn that we sing. Um, and, and one of the lyrics, it's talking about Christ. It says, all our debt thou hast paid. And then the next line is, peace with God once more is made. There it is. All our debt thou hast paid. Peace with God once more is made. That has big implications for you. Huge. Romans 8.1 There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There is no wrath for those who are in Christ. No more punishment for those who are in Christ. No more guilt and shame for those who are in Christ. Why? Because He took all those things. Ignore the problem out of sight, out of mind. No way. That's not how God operates. God loves you, accepts you, and embraces you on account of what Christ did for you. I want you to think about, just really quickly, about these original words that Jesus gave in the context of those hearing it. Because His suffering, death, and resurrection hadn't happened yet. He talked about those things, but you know how that went. You know, just... (laughs) When He talks about it, people aren't interested in hearing it. So, none of those things had happened yet. So Jesus wants to assure his, uh, his followers and you that out of sight, out of mind isn't how God operates. So He warns them. You know, the ruler of this world is coming. I'm going to die. I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. But that's not the end. Right? And you all know how it went after Jesus died, right? People are hiding, they're in hiding, they're in mourning. We thought that, you know, X, Y, Z. But, you know, it seemed as if Jesus were gone forever. That the Father had rejected Christ's sacrifice. That things went awry, right? Things went off the rails. But Jesus assures His disciples that not only will He rise, but that He's going back to the Father. 
in victory and in power, right? We celebrate the ascension. Like, man, what a bummer. That he can't be with us like he was with his disciples and the twelve during his earthly ministry. But when he leaves, when he goes back, when he goes away, back to the Father, we're, we're not out of sight, out of mind. Jesus goes back to the Father to plead for us, to pray for us, to intercess for us. He's there as a constant reminder, and that God doesn't need it, but that the Father would rem- you know, remember what He did. And we've got this great high priest who is in front of the Father's throne pleading for us, praying for us, interceding for us. So there's no way, no way that God's going to forget you. No way. No way God's going to avoid you. Jesus doesn't go back to the Father because He's like, alright, I've had enough. Right? I'm going to keep you at arm's length now. Or he doesn't go back to the Father so that he doesn't have to connect. He goes back to the Father to take his rightful place uh, in victory and power to rule and reign over us, his people. Simple as that. To rule and reign over us as our king. And this isn't done in estrangement or isolation or separation. Okay, So how is it done? How does he rule and reign over us? Well, it's certainly not done in quietness. right? To keep the peace, too often we're like, okay, I can't talk about that. I can't talk about that. I don't want to upset anyone. Uh, right? No, that's not how Jesus works. Uh, to keep the peace, too often we, 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 we keep quiet. Uh, Jesus speaks to bring us peace. Now, that doesn't mean that it's always easy to hear, right? There's law that kills the old Adam, and then there's the gospel that brings the new man to life, right? It's not always easy to hear. But it does bring peace. Because again, what is Jesus doing? He's calling people out of their estrangement. He's calling people out of their isolation. He's calling people out of their sin. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Stop doing that stuff that you like to do that God has told you, not good for you, and turn to God. Because why? God is here for you. Jesus abides with us. He stays with us. He is with us through word and sacrament. He is close and near to us. And I know we're used to dealing, maybe you're not, maybe you're a lot better at it than I am, but I know we're used to dealing with conflict out of sight, out of mind. God doesn't work that way. God doesn't take that approach with us, even though we take that approach with Him. So Jesus promises a special helper who will come to us to help us to believe what He has said through hearing, learning, receiving God's gifts, to the means of grace. So here's what he says. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance the things that I have said. And what do those things that He has said bring? They bring peace. 
Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give. But take to heart that word. Take to heart that word. Take to heart that word because this is what it brings to us. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That's the peace we have through Christ. It's a much better peace than the world gives. It transcends all human understanding. It comes to you through the Word. Through the Word, God doesn't avoid you. God doesn't keep you at arm's length. He comes to you, right? To give you good news of sins forgiven and peace, a connected, holistic relationship with God. That is yours. If nothing else from today, just take this. Just take this and put it in your mind. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's why the word. You don't ever have to wonder or doubt or fret. Is God really there for me? Does God really love me? What does He think? His mercy and steadfast love and covenant faithfulness endures forever for you through Christ Jesus. Take that to heart. Until you enter glory and God's presence where God Himself, where the Father and the Lamb will never be out of your sight and never be out of your mind. That is peace. Amen. I may the peace which transcends all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.